Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're talking about thoughts and ways this morning. I know I did a little shift. I said last week we might continue, but I wasn't sure. So I got this direction from the Lord that we'll talk about thoughts and ways. Look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Familiar text to all, if you're a student of God's word. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. All right, just to let you know that if you see me slowing down, it's because I'm being interpreted in Spanish. So I am doing my best <laughs> to slow down so that they can understand what I'm saying. So just bear with me for a moment. <laughs> Take the time to allow them to really understand what's being said. I could say, como esta usted? I could say that. I could say, Rio de Agua Viva, and they would know it's a river of living water. And then I would be stumped at that point, and that's, that's it. Even though I had it in high school and I had it a couple years in college, that was many moons ago. So, so we're talking about ways and thoughts, okay? Notice point number one, Lucifer thought that he could overthrow God. He thought that. He originated that thought. And because he originated that thought, it led him to a way, his way. How was he going to overthrow God? Well, I've given this some thought, and in my thoughts, I'm thinking he is observing God in all his acts of creation and all the things that God has ever done before him. Remember, he was right there, the anointed cherubim who was up there worshiping and so on. And so I believe he tried to use the law of faith to overthrow God himself. If you recall in Isaiah chapter 14 where it talks about, he said, I will, I will five times. He used his own thoughts to develop a way to use his faith to say, I will exalt my throne above the throne of God and believe that those words he was speaking were filled with enough power to enable him to overthrow God. But guess what? His thinking was wrong and so was his way. And of course, God responded to him and said, well, that's, that's going beyond the boundaries that I established, you know, for your existence, Lucifer. So therefore, no, you won't do that. Thou shalt be brought down to hell, and so on. And so we see, number one, wrong thoughts originate where? With the devil himself, because God said, you're a liar. Jesus said, you're a liar and the father of all liars. In other words, you've originated it all. Secondly, we see another person, another key figure Throughout all the Bible, in the beginning, the opening in Genesis, what do we find? Eve thought 
she could have a better life. Remember, Satan comes along, now Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, injects a thought into her mind and says, you see that tree? Did God say if you touch it, you die? Oh, he knows you're not going to die. You're going to have a higher quality of life if you touch that tree. So what does she do? She thinks about it and comes up with a way for her to have a better life. How is she going to do that? By partaking of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what does she do? She entices her man, her husband, Adam, to follow her. And they step beyond the boundaries that God established for their existence as well. And what happens? The fall of man occurs. So rather than having a higher quality of life, she now experiences a lower quality of life. And they find themselves on the outside looking in. They have no approach ever to God. They can't get back to God in any possible way. With man, this is impossible. So God has to come up with a plan of redemption and salvation to save mankind, to bring him back into, uh, let's say, fellowship with himself. And of course, this is no small thing. This is going to require an awful lot on the part of the second person, the deity. He's going to have a lot to do in order to redeem man back to himself. But this was based on what? A thought and a way that originated with, first of all, Lucifer, and then now was passed on to Eve and Adam. And then, how about this thought in this way? Everyone thought that Noah was a lunatic. Everyone thought he was crazy. We've never seen floods before. We've never seen rain come down from heaven before. We've never seen anything like that. Water comes up from the earth in a mist, and it takes care of all the vegetation and the plants and everything. Wouldn't it be great to live at a time like that? No thorns, no thistles, no dandelions, nothing of that effect whatsoever, but a mist is coming up out of the ground, watering everything that needs to be watered. But on the day that God spoke to Noah and said, the heart of man is wicked in all his ways, and therefore something has to be done. I am going to wipe out the entire human race by a flood. There's going to be water come down from heaven. I believe water come up, up from above, up from, from beneath. And it's, there's going to be a flood. Now, I want you to build an ark. And he gave them all the specs as how, how to build the ark and the way and the means by which it would be done. So imagine this. All these other people, they've got their own ideas, their thoughts, and their ways. We know what we'll do. We're going to wait the thing out. We think he's crazy. So what does he have to submit himself to and surrender to? All kind of scoffing, mocking, laughing at him and all that. Why? Because he's living his life based on the thoughts that God gave him and the way God provided for him to save his house. If you look in the book of Hebrews, it is said he built an ark to the saving of his house. That means his whole family was saved as a result of his obedience to think not outside the boundaries that God established for him, but within the boundaries that God established for him. And when he did that, made a choice to do that, he built this beautiful ark, which we understand even in today's terminology and understanding. It took the 1950s before they can build a boat that would replicate the boat that he built. And they said it was, in, it was unsinkable. Not the Titanic, but Noah's ark was absolutely unsinkable. Amazing. But what happened? Those who thought that they weren't going to participate in this all died. Unless you watch these modern versions of Noah's Ark. You ever see some of these modern versions of Noah's Ark where the dinghy comes along and they're going to sell all these articles? Where is that in the Bible? You can't find that anywhere in the Bible. But anyhow, the point is they thought that they had a way that was better than God's way. 
But Noah said, no, God's way is best, and I'm going to do it. You can laugh at me. You can mock, scoff. You can do whatever you want, but I'm doing it God's way. Then you have Goliath. Let's look at the other side of this. Goliath thought his way to defeat David was the right way. He thought he could beat him because he's nothing but a young lad who's probably never been trained in warfare. The whole Israeli army is afraid of his stature. His spearhead probably weighed more than David. His shield, all that he had. And so David thought he could very easily overcome. I mean, Goliath thought he could easily overcome David. Why? Because of his size, because of his ability, because of his strength. Because of his skill, he was well-skilled and taught and trained in warfare. He says, you sending out this little boy to fight with me? Am I a dog? You're going to bring a stick? What are you going to do, beat me with it? What does that thing weigh? Man, my spear weighs more than you, David. But you see, David wasn't basing his life on the ability he possessed. Goliath was living his life based on his skill his stature, his size, his weight, his abilities. It was all on himself. What does David do? He lets him mouth off and say what his thoughts are. I'm going to get you. I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air is what Goliath says to David. You're nothing. You're no match for me whatsoever. Look at all your friends out there. Look at all your Israeli warriors out there. There's no possible way. And none of them, they're afraid of me. You know, even Saul thought that David was no match for Goliath. But what did David say? He expressed his thoughts. You know the lion? You know the bear? What's a giant? Giants, lions, and bears. Who would know they all become professional football teams? <laughs> no one would know that. But he defeated the Bears, one to nothing. He defeated the Lions, one to nothing that we know of. Maybe he killed more, I don't know. But now we got the Giants. And what does he say? You done? Let me express my thoughts to you, Goliath. You come at me with all your weaponry. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, who this day will deliver you into my hands, and I will cut off your head and feed your carcass to the fowls of the air, and all of Philistines will know there's a God in Israel. So bring it on, Goliath. Let's go at, let's go at it. We know the rest of the story, don't we? See, David didn't defeat Goliath with his weaponry. He defeated him with his words. Amen? With his words. Then look at the next one. Jericho thought its mighty walls were impenetrable. And if you do a study of Jericho and you see the walls and how they were built on the side of the, of the mountain, the hillside, to where you couldn't hardly get up there and then penetrate the walls, strategically placed in such a way so as to keep out all enemies. And they really took pride in that as thick as the walls were. You know, for, it took many, many, many years of excavation before they really found out that there was a Jericho and there were Jericho walls. Did you know that? Study it out for yourself. You'll find out it took a long time for that. Many disbelieve the Bible uh, and what it teaches on the subject of Jericho and Jericho's walls and Joshua getting in there and, and, and all that. So finally they found out that 
it really exists. It's a place that really does exist. And they, through excavation, found out how thick the walls were and how they were built and how the tower was so high, etc., etc., etc. Well, they thought their place was impenetrable. Now look, they live in places that we don't know about. Aren't you glad you live in this free land where usually you're not going to be attacked by an army? Anybody have an army knock on your door, try to break down your door, make their way into your city and so on? No. But back then, that's what they did. They would get into the city. They would take what they wanted. They would take the wives for their own, for themselves and so on and so forth. The children, if there were maybe younger boys that were there, they would take them into warfare. They would take them for themselves and all that. That's why they built these strong walls, these fortified walls. I think the rendition... You know, the cartoon rendition of it, um, VeggieTales, where you see them up on the walls. That's one of the funniest things. Andrew just loved that. Just absolutely loved it. There they are up on the walls, and what are they throwing, snow cones? The Israelites are walking around the walls, and they're gibbering back and forth and just throwing down snow cones and, and whatever they had, they're throwing down and all that. And, you know. They thought, you're a bunch of foolish people that are down there. What do you think you're going to do? Well, what was Joshua told to do? Look, I've already delivered the people into your hands. You don't need to do anything but go around that, those walls once a day for six days. On the seventh day, go seven times around the walls. And on the seventh time, you shout with a loud and a great shout. Have the praisers be in place and all that. And that's what they did. You know what Joshua thought? Those walls were impenetrable or penetrable those walls would come down and there's no way that those walls are stronger or greater than the God that he serves and that they were going to go in there by the direction of the Lord now remember this it's by the direction of the Lord and they were going to do exactly what God said to do and those walls are going to come down you know God has a plan for your walls to come down God has a plan for my walls to come down He's a plan for all of us to enter into the fullness of what he has provided for us. And even though those walls may be up, they don't have to be obstacles that we view as mountains that we cannot penetrate or overcome. We can view them as windows of opportunity that we could allow God that we serve rise up to a place where we allow his power to be in manifestation and demonstration to bring down those walls, enabling us to experience the fullness of our blessings. I pray I'm going slow enough this morning. I'm trying to slow down. It, it gets hard. But those walls came down, didn't they? And if you have never studied this kind of history, what's important for you to know is this. Rahab the harlot hid the two men that went to spy out the land the second time around. Actually, she lied to those warriors telling them that, oh, I, I don't know where they went. I, mean, I don't know where they're at in it. That's exactly what she did. And she protected them by doing so. But she said before she did that, she said, I want your word. We know that God gave you this land. We know it belongs to you. But when you come in to take over this land, remember me and my family. And they said, you got a deal. Let's make a deal. And they made a deal. And you know, when they came in, all the walls fell down through archaeological discoveries and excavation they found out the only section of the walls in the city that didn't come down and weren't destroyed 
It was Rahab the harlot's house. You can read about her in Hebrews chapter 11 and find out it was by faith that her whole family was protected because she thought God was greater than all the enemies and all the powers that she would face in life. Can you see that? So, thoughts and ways. And what was the way that they were going to do it? Through praise. Look at the next one. Naaman thought he had a better way for him to receive his healing than God. See, his thoughts led him down a path where he goes to the prophet, and as he gets before the prophet, he thought the prophet would meet him outside. He would bring out with him MSNBC, Fox News, CBS, ABC, and the list goes on. Now we get all these channels. Now all these different channels and all this pomp and circumstance would take place because you see, as these men that we saw and women that we saw here in the video earlier, they were clothed in their attire, in their service attire. He had his on too. He had all the accolades that he experienced, that he received as a result of his faithful commitment to the army that he served and the king that he served. So there he is standing before the prophet Elisha. And what does he say? You sent out your servant to meet a man of my stature. And he was highly offended at that. You see, his thoughts were different. He said, I thought, well, what did you think, Naaman? I thought you would come out. You must have a magic wand or something like that, but you would wave your hands over, this, over the place. You would call upon the name of the Lord your God. Fire would come down from heaven. Something would occur and take place that would drive out the leprosy from my body. That's what I thought. And you want me to dip in the River Jordan this month? It was a time of the year where there was, it was flooded. You ever see the Ohio River when it looks like Hershey's chocolate? Anybody ever see that? And you wonder how that happened. Well, all the mud from all the, the banks, because it was flooded a little bit, right inside the water. He said, you want me to dip in this water here, this muddy water of Jordan? Look at, I've got, we got rivers up where I come from. Farpar, Abana, we've got those two rivers. I could have dipped in those rivers. You could have saved me a trip. I wouldn't have this journey. I would have just dipped in right there, and I could have been healed. So forget you. See, his thoughts... In his ways, he exalted above the ways and thoughts of God. Just like everybody else. He thought he would step out beyond the boundaries where God established he could be healed and do it on his own and do it in his own way. Well, he goes walking that same way until finally one of his servants taps him on the shoulder and says, what? Master, if the prophet would have asked you to do something heroic, would you have done that? Uh, yeah, probably. Then why not go dip in the river seven times and be healed? I guess you're right. So he turns himself around, and what does he do? He submits to the ways and thoughts, thoughts and the ways of God. And once he submits to the ways and thoughts or the thoughts and ways of God, he goes back to the river. And what did God point out that he needed to do in order for him to receive his healing? Take off the first layer of pride. 
Don't want to get any of that dirty. He worked too hard for that. That was the first dip. Dip in again. You see, there are many layers that he had to get rid of. The second one, a little bit muddier now. The third one, another layer of pride and arrogance. The fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and finally on the seventh dip, he comes up out of the water and perfectly cleansed from all leprosy. Isn't it something that something so simple he was rejecting because he thought differently and his way was different than God's? I wonder how many of us today, myself included, that we haven't taken the time before the throne of God and said, what is your thought about what I need, whether it's healing, deliverance, financial assistance, whatever it might be. What is your way in this situation for me? I want, I want to think your thoughts, Lord. And then that thought will produce a way. This is what I want you to do. Do this. This is the way that you're going to get it. I remember, honestly, this was with, and I don't think Brother Chuck would mind my saying this about his mother, uh, Babe Sorelli. When she was sick and she had encountered, a, I believe it was some kind of a flu or something of that nature, you know. And she was lying there and not getting any better whatsoever. And we went over to pray for her. And as I began to walk toward her, it was like the Holy Ghost just rose up at me and just said, tell her, according to Romans 8, 11, it will not be an instant healing, but she'll begin to amend from this moment because she was not getting better. She was getting worse. She'll be able to amend from this moment, okay? So I said to her what the Lord said to me. She said, but I like getting healed instantly. I'm used to being healed. Brother Sam would come over and pray, and I get healed just like that, just like that, just like that. How many want to get healed just like that? <laughs> Don't we all like it just like that, just like that, just like that? Sure. But I said to her, I said, that's wonderful, and I appreciate that so very much, but Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he raised, that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. I said, I'm going to pray for you and believe from this moment on, you'll begin to amend and you'll start to get better. And how many of you know that he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall not instantly be healed, but they shall what? Recover. You know, we did exactly that. And you know what happened in her life? Romans 8, 11 became one of her most important verses of scripture. She embraced that. Because you see, it was something that God made real to her that she has an indwelling presence of the Spirit of Almighty God who is ever living in her to produce the life of God, whether it's healing and whatever, strength, etc. Then you've got uh, Peter. Peter, think about Peter. He thought his, he thought he would never ever deny Jesus. His way of believing he would never deny Jesus would be just to, to say that, I'm supporting you. Let everybody else forsake you. Let them walk away from you. But Lord, I will never, ever, ever. Have you ever said that? I will not deny you. I will not forsake you. I will not walk away. I will do everything I can to help promote you and your work here in the earth. But the moment he found himself in a vulnerable situation where he was, of course, being observed by this young lady who was watching him and listening to his speech when he was warming, warming himself by the fire, said, aren't you one of his followers? Uh, no, don't know. You see, Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. 
Isn't that true of all of us? He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we're capable of doing. So what does he do? Three times he denies the Lord. Why? Because his thoughts and his ways were wrong. What did Jesus tell Peter to do in face of temptation? What did he say? Remember in the garden? What did he say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. So in that weakened condition, because his life was in danger, what does he do? He caves in under the pressure, gives into the flesh, and he denies the Lord. So he didn't do it God's way. Next, um, Joseph thought Mary betrayed him. Joseph thought that. But what happened? God appears to him in a dream and says to him, no, these are my thoughts and these are my ways. Listen to what I'm saying to you. She's going to conceive in her womb the Son of God and give birth to the Messiah. So listen to my thoughts and listen to my ways. And as a result, of course, he used Mary the way he wanted to. Look at the next one, Zacharias and Elizabeth. What did Zacharias think about his wife? Now, men, I don't suggest this. She's too old to conceive, right? She's just too old to conceive. I mean, he was adamant about it. He goes, look at me, man. And she's too old. Now, God had sent the angel Gabriel where? There in the temple where he is ministering. It was his time of ministry. He's used to supernatural things happening, signs and wonders taking place, visitations from on high, right? And so the angel comes in and ministers to him and says, oh, by the way, I want to let you know, Zacharias, that your wife is going to conceive and the two of you are going to have a son. His name's going to be John, be John the Baptist, if you don't know who we're, who we're talking about here. John the Baptist, he's going to pave the way for the coming Messiah. And of course, being the spiritual giant that he really is, he says, bring it on, right? No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? Uh... Have you looked at her recently? <laughs> now, Lord, she's well up in age. Is that too difficult for God to do? No. So what happens to, to Zacharias? He doesn't want to think God's way. He doesn't want to act. He doesn't want to act out God's thoughts. He wants to do it his own way, right? So he steps out beyond the boundaries that God established for that situation. And when he does that, he is struck dumb. He says, I got to silence this guy. He's going to mess up the whole deal. The way he's talking, think about it. So what does he do? He can't talk until finally the child is born and they name him John. Just like, can you imagine all the other people thinking it's going to be Zach, Zach Jr. This is surely Zach Jr., right? Uh-uh. John, and they're like, really? And now he can talk. Now he can talk. See, it, it pays to think the thoughts of God and carry out the ways of God because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Okay, how about this one? Satan thought Jesus was defeated at the cross. Oh, I finally have done it. You know how long this has been going on? Man, I, I caught them in the garden. I got them to 
you know, be victimized by what I said. And they opened up the door to my kingdom. And finally, here I am in the earth. And you know what? It's been a lot of time here. 4,000 years have come and gone. And all of a sudden, this baby is born. You've got to be kidding me. He rises up on the scene. He starts walking like no man walked and talking like no man talked and doing like no man did. And the list goes on and on. Man, he's wreaking havoc with my kingdom. He's healing the sick. He's setting the captives free. He's casting out devils. I mean, he's casting men to swine, but the swine go kill themselves and drown themselves in the river. I got to get rid of this guy. I got to do something about this. He stirs up the Jewish people. You know the story. He finally gets him to, he's before Pilate. Pilate says, I wash my hands of this man's innocent blood. And he says, I'll just keep on and keep on, keep on. Finally, it comes to pass that on that day that Jesus died on Calvary, he got himself two tickets for him and his buddies, maybe another friend. And they fly off to Hawaii. They leave Jerusalem. The plane lands sometime Friday night, whenever, how long it takes. I don't know how long it takes to get there. But um, he's lying on a beach in Waikiki. Could have been Honolulu. I'm, I'm not sure. But he's there lying on the beach. And he's just smiling from ear to ear. Think about it. By the way, it was all-inclusive. <laughs> he's sipping on a Coke. Someone's delivering a pizza. I'm just basking in the sun. And then Sunday morning comes. And he's, oh, I can't wait to get my eggs and bacon this morning. And his buddy says, I just got word from Jerusalem. What? The stone was rolled away. He's alive. He came out of the tomb. He arose and people saw him. They wanted to touch him, but he said, don't I got to go to heaven and complete redemption? I've got to go offer up my blood. He came back and he did this. And he, you you, you, you got to get, get two more tickets. We got to get back there. We got to put a stop to this. Think about it. He thought Jesus was defeated. He thought wrong. God's thoughts are higher than man's thoughts. God's ways are higher than man's ways. It would behoove all of us to find out the thoughts of God about our lives, about our situation, and start walking in the light of his thoughts and his ways for all of our lives. Amen. Praise God. And by the way, guess who was defeated at Calvary? It wasn't Jesus. He came to destroy him that had the power of the death, that is the devil. 1 John 3, 8. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. He himself, because man is made of flesh and blood, he himself became part of the same. So that he through death might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all of us who at one time were in fear, in bondage to death. But praise God, no longer. He took the sting out of death. Praise God. Aren't you glad that he did? A believer doesn't need to be fearful of death because we know where we're going, praise God. We're going to glory. He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Amen. I'll slow down now. <laughs> and then what about Ananias and Sapphira? What did they think? They thought they could get away with a lie. They thought that they could say that we sold the property for so much money 
And therefore, we brought it all and we're laying it down to your feet. It's an act of humility. It's an act of surrender. We are completely giving ourselves over to sacrifice for the Lord. It's all the Lord's. And Peter says, really? Why'd you let the devil put that thought in your mind to lie, not to men, but to God himself, right? And what happened to Ananias? He fell over dead right there. And then Sapphira comes in. They finally get her in the same thing. And what is she thinking? The same thing. She's, she's stepping. How about this? This boundary that God established for everyone, okay, it wasn't a directive that he gave them that they couldn't keep the money for themselves. They could have. They did it to themselves. We're going to deceive them into thinking that we're giving all the money, but you see, we're not going to give all the money. We're going to give half of it. We're going to look good in front of all the people, right? They could have kept all the money. Didn't Peter say, look, when you sold the property, it was all yours. It belonged to you. You could have kept it. But no, the deception is you're trying to tell people you gave it all as if this is an act of worship and surrender to God, and you didn't do that. So remember that. And then, of course, they both died. And then the last one, and this is probably really the best one. Andrew said Jesus should have come yesterday. His thoughts were, <laughs> I can pull out my phone to give you text after text. I'm sure my wife can as well. Text after text after text after text. What is he waiting for? <laughs> Does he not know all the prophecies have been fulfilled? Now, Dad, I don't want to be in school on Monday, or since it's, they're off tomorrow, I don't, and Tuesday. I'm done with this. Doesn't he know how upset I am and how tired I am getting up in the morning and going to school? You gotta, and then when the news is on and he hears, <clears throat> so and this happened, hurricane took place, someone got murdered, somebody died, whatever. He goes, see, this is a rotten world that we live in. We need to go back to heaven. I need to go back to heaven where I was. I want to leave and go to heaven. And his thought is that Jesus just doesn't understand. <laughs> he said it. He, doesn't he know it? Doesn't he understand? I said, finally one day after, all the way to school. It's about a 10-minute, 9-minute drive to school, all the way to school. He was just harping on this. Doesn't he know? 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 Everything's in place. He should come. He should come. He should come. If I was him, I'd come. I said, son, listen to me right now. Do you know more than Jesus? Uh, no. If you don't know more than Jesus, then he knows when the right time is to come. Why are you putting pressure on him to come for you? Not that he could have pressure put on him because he knows when he's coming. Why are you doing that? Because I want him to come. I said, he knows more than you. He's God. He's God. And he knows a whole lot more than what you know. So you know what? Let him be God and let him come when he wants to. But let me tell you this. When he comes, he wants you to have a smile on your face. He wants you to be looking for his coming. He wants you to be occupying until he comes, serving him, telling other people about him, about his great love, and the, and the list goes on and on, okay? Finally, by noon, he's, I'm loving it today. What a beautiful day. I'm having a great day. You know, I like being here, but I'm having a good time. <laughs> That's Andrew. <laughs> Anyhow, the whole point of this is 
when we fell from the presence of God, you can forget the rest of our message. Just one more verse. When we fell from the presence of God, you know what happened? Our spirit was separated. Our mind, will, emotions, intellect, which is called the soul of man, was messed up. You know what? I've had people in services like this and say, look at your neighbor and just say, you're wonderful. You're a blessing. How about look at each other and just say, I'm messed up. (laughs) My mind is messed up. Because when we fell from the presence of God, we lost 90% of our mental faculties and powers. Did we not? We sure did, which is why he says, take my word and restore your soul. You're the way you think. Mind, will, emotions, and intellect all need to be what? Renewed and restored because your thinking is wrong. Absolutely, which is why he gave us his word, James 1.21, to deliver us from our corrupt reasoning faculties or the way we think. And then the body of man, of course, is subject to death or mortal, and it's going to go back to the dust of the earth, but awaiting the time when it's glorified. So all three parts of man were affected by the fall of man. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Very important scriptures with regard to what we're talking about. Our thoughts as opposed to God's thoughts. Our ways opposed to God's ways. When you look all this over, what do we conclude? That God's ways are better than ours. God's thoughts are higher than ours. And if we live by God's thoughts and by God's ways, we're going to be okay. Right? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. How can we cast down something against the knowledge of God if we don't have the knowledge of God? We've got to get the knowledge of God to cast down a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, which is what Eve could have done in the very beginning, right? Which then the list goes down. All the other people could have done the same thing. Okay, and bringing into captivity, everybody say every thought. Every thought thought unto the obedience of Christ. So here we have the weapons of our warfare. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Dealing with thoughts, imaginations, and satanic strongholds. Where he tries to build up strongholds in people's minds like Ananias and Sapphira. Just go there and tell them that you sold it for this amount of money and that's all there is to it. That was a stronghold. And as a result, they played it out. And they operated in God's thought, in, in their own thoughts and ways, or satanic thoughts and ways. And what happened? Destruction came. They, they, they both died. So we want to do it God's way. Amen. We believe that. Praise and worship team, you're going to come up here and help me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So every time we hear ourselves say, I thought. Say it with me, I thought. Ask yourself the question, am I thinking in line with God's thoughts? Am I thinking in line with God's ways? Am I wanting to act out in God's ways and fulfill God's thoughts for my life? It's important that we answer those questions for ourselves. Praise God. Amen. Well, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. We're told in Scripture. True? Amen. But what about the rest of you? Is that true? Is it true? I thought. What did you think? I thought by doing it my way, that would be the best way? No. No, I thought. Think about Jesus on the Mount of Temptation. 
The devil tried to use him to do the same thing. But guess what? He didn't offer his thoughts. He offered the thoughts of God. Let's all stand together.